You all remembered that wonderful football illustration, right, that I stole. I, I, that was a good tackle, by the way. I was setting you up for the Super Bowl today. But the reason that I did that is because I've never forgotten that illustration because I was once assaulted on Sunday morning at church right here. Oh, yeah, I, didn't tack, I wasn't tackled over here. I was tackled over here. I'll never forget. Right there. A very tall Brit was here by the name of Alan Vincent. He's a British guy. He speaks in that cool British accent. He was about 70 at the time. He said, do you have an American football? And I'm like, what other kind of footballs are there? <laughs> of course, he had been ruined by soccer. I'm sorry, all you soccer people. All right. And uh, he wanted an American football. I had one assignment that morning when it when time came around for church. All of a sudden, it hit me. It must have, must have been the Holy Spirit. You forgot the football. I literally jumped up. I ran out those doors, I ran home, grabbed the football out of the garage, ran back, sat down, and he paused at that moment in the message, and he says, do you have the football? I was like, yeah, I got it under control. I only had one assignment, and I messed it up, all right? But I got the football, and you remember the illustration. He threw me the football, and then this 70-year-old comes over and body slams me to the ground, all right? Everybody went, ugh, it was crazy. And I'm like, what is he doing? He didn't give me. Now, last week, all you guys that helped me, I told you, I'm going to tackle you, all right? Fall to the ground. Don't embarrass me, all right? Fall to the ground. But he didn't tell me anything. He just body slammed me. And I, I'm like, gee, my knee. But you know what? I've never forgotten that because the principle was this. When the, why would the Holy Spirit want to throw you the ball if you're going to drop it, if you're not paying attention and it hits you upside the back of the helmet? Or if you stand there looking stupid while the defense comes and piles on you and, and you, get, you know, go for a loss, all right? God's not going to talk to people, here's the principle, who don't love his word and obey his word. So if you're not listening, you're wondering, I don't know, God, God never talks to me. Let me see your hands. I'm going to throw you a pass and see how we do, all right? If you catch... If you listen, if you run, if you obey, God will continue to communicate with you. And this was the, the kind of the key verse for me for that whole text. It was 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 7. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. How many of you know churches are full of people who are used to doing religious things? They go through religious motions. They serve. In fact, this is a tragedy. And God forbid this would ever happen uh, in our church. But I know that this happens in churches all across America. There are people who are familiar with the religious activity of the church, but who don't know Jesus Christ personally. And Samuel knew he was being mentored by Eli, right? He was being taught to be a priest. He knew what candle to light, what offering to offer, you know, what sacrifice to make, what clothes to wear, what ceremonial washings to do. He knew all the stuff, but he had never heard the voice of God. How I many of you know it's hard to be a priest if you can't hear God? It's hard to represent the people. It's hard to speak on God's behalf. It's hard to lead uh, in, in, a, in a, any kind of setting if you're tone deaf to the voice of God. That's why I encouraged you last week, every single one of you have the privilege and invitation to have a personal relationship with Jesus and a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. That's your privilege. Don't settle for anything less. In fact, it's not just a privilege. It's a necessity uh, to experience Jesus in his fullness. He loves you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to lead you. He wants to guide you. He wants your heart to be inflamed with holy passion and fire for him. Amen. And in the process of all that, this is supposed to be fun. 
Now, Kevin, you're, you're doing it. I'm going to high-five you right now because I, I, I want to give you great motivation to keep it up. This is a role model right here, right? You guys need to keep talking better. I'm preaching good, but you're not talking good. Back to me. But, Kevin, you're doing great. All right. So, the point being, how many of you have been encountered by the Son of God in the person of the Holy Spirit and your life's been forever changed? How many of you are moving right now and walking with Jesus? You're moving in a relationship with Jesus. Come on, that's what, that's what it means to be born again. So, today I'm going to talk about a marriage that's been made in heaven, and it is a marriage that must never undergo separation or divorce, and that is the marriage between the Word of God and the Spirit of God. This is really, really, really important. Jesus said this in John 4.23, that he was looking for a certain breed, a certain type of worshiper, someone that worshiped him in spirit and in truth. Say that with me, in spirit and in truth, all right? When we think of truth, we think of our heads, filling our heads with truth. What's the truth? We know the truth. We read the truth. We live the truth. But he also wants spirit. He, he, and when we think of spirit, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. We, we think about uh, something in our belly, not our head, or our heart and not our head. So God's looking for a marriage between heads and hearts, not just a dry uh, intellectualism that is void of the Holy Spirit, but also not just the Holy Spirit that's void of the truth of God's word. He's looking for both, a, a worshiper that honors and worships the Father in spirit and in truth. And I want you to see that these two have to stay connected. The word without the spirit degenerates into a proud form of intellectualism. Have you all ever been in certain religious camps where they're basically just, they pride themselves in being religious smarty pantses? They, they think the more that they know, the more pure their doctrine is, the more Bible they commit to memory, the more Bible studies they offer during the week. Study, 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 study. If you're not careful, the Bible says knowledge puffs up. And the knowledge of God can puff up. And there's certain camps of folks that, uh, that think they're the only ones that have truth. There's certain groups of people that think they're the only ones that understand the Bible. They're the only ones that understand salvation. Uh, it, it starts to sound very Pharisee-like. Because they have a lot of religious information, but they don't have a lot of encounter with the Holy Spirit to sort out what that truth is. And so they get very much prideful and arrogant. And I've seen, let me give you an example. I've seen very religious people with proper doctrine that are still addicted to pornography. So let me just tell you something. Who cares about your doctrine if you can't live it? Who cares about how smart you are if you're still addicted? Who cares about how much of the Bible you claim to know and how pure your doctrine is when you can't function and live out the holiness that Jesus calls us to live? Just a thought. How about... Now listen to me. Even in saying that, I'm not saying that to condemn anybody that's still in process. What I'm saying is, don't sit back on your religious knowledge and on your theological education and expect that that's impressive to God when you've not allowed him to transform your life because he's not impressed. God's smarter than you and me put together. And I still believe we're going to get to heaven someday and the Lord's going to say to some people like me who stand here and tremble in the pulpit every week to try to preach the truth, he's going to say, Pastor Ron, there's a few things you taught me that I, even I didn't know. Now that's a joke, all right? That's a joke. Because God is omniscient. 
He doesn't need to be taught in any way, but I think he's going to adjust my understanding of things when I stand before him someday. So you know what? I want to walk humbly. I want to, I want to pursue truth in God's word, but I don't want it to puff me up where I think I'm a big smarty pants or a Pharisee. The Pharisees were, they knew the, the, the Bible. They memorized the Pentateuch, all right? They knew it by heart. Are you kidding me? They were religious smarty pants, and Jesus is standing right in front of them, the Son of God, and they're trying to kill him. How you know? That's messed up. But they probably had their Bible memory badges from Sunday school class. They could pull them out of, the, of their drawer. Oh, my gosh. Help us, Jesus. All right. But how many of you know, apart from the grounding and guiding function of the Word, we end up with this shallow emotionalism? I've seen people that one day they're like, oh, pastor, I'm so in love with the Lord. Oh, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I love Jesus. And the next day, you know, they wake up, they got a flat tire, and they convert to Buddhism or something. You know, I'm just like, I, I don't even know where God is, man. I'm that's so raw. Oh, my God. I'm like, dude, you got a flat tire. Suck it up. It's not the end of the world. Jesus is still alive and well. He's still the son of God. Like, or we can get lost in worshiping worship, just like some people worship the word instead of worshiping Jesus, we can get lost in worshiping worship. You know, that we got the hallelujah crowd. But I've seen people do the hallelujah and then go out and sleep with their girlfriend. So, so, what, so what are you worshiping? Who are you worshiping? Okay, I've offended all of you by now. I've got it all covered. <laughs> How many of you know the word, apart from the Holy Spirit, makes us dry up? But the Spirit without the Word makes us blow up. But the Spirit and the Word makes us grow up. I'm going to say that one again. The Word of God without the Holy Spirit makes us dry up. The Spirit of God, apart from the Word of God, makes us blow up. But the Spirit and the Word makes us grow up. How many of you know it is impossible to understand the Scriptures apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit? You can't do it. You don't approach the Bible like chemistry, all right? I was just always a good student. Yeah, lots of luck, all right? How many of you know um, Richard Dawkins, one of the most infamous, you know, vile atheists on planet Earth right now, hates God, hates everything about God. He's an evolutionist and uh, atheist. He supposedly read the Bible. And his conclusion was that God was this, I remember reading a paragraph of nothing but blasphemy coming out of this man's mouth. Because listen, God is not impressed with your uh, IQ. God forgot more in a millisecond than you, you and I will work to do all of our lives. God's not impressed at all. Ungodly people can read the scriptures. They might as well read the phone book. They'll get as much out of the phone book as they read out of the scriptures because the Bible is spiritually discerned. You need the Holy Spirit to help you understand the Bible. But I also want you to know this, you need the Bible to help you understand who the Holy Spirit is. If you don't have the Scriptures, you don't know who the Holy Spirit is. You don't know how He operates. You don't know what He's like. You don't know how He moves. You, you don't know anything about Him because it's the Bible that teaches us about the Holy Spirit. So the Spirit is necessary to understand the Bible, and the Bible is necessary to understand the Holy Spirit. Can you see how you cannot separate these two? They must be forever married together in our lives. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start off by talking about the Word of God, and I'm going to take less time here, not because it's less important, but because this is the area where I know my audience. You have been very well-schooled. 
Very well schooled. But I'm going to say the obvious things in a sermon series on voices to let you know, okay, Pastor Ron's okay. We're not going to get off into error or crazy stuff or whatever. All right, so you ready for this? We're going to talk about the Word. And you all ready for this? I want you to hear this. This book right here, the written Word of God, is the most sure, steady, true uh, revelation of the voice of God you will ever hear in your life. Read the Bible, all right? I'm going to make that clear. I'm going to make three points. The Bible is our chief, supreme, and ultimate authority. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to think about this. We say that in church because it sounds, yeah, powerful. God's word is true. But here's the point. Are you submitted personally to the authority of God's word? In other words, does, does, does what he says dictate how you live and what you believe? Or are you one of those woke believers that reads the newspaper, listens to the news, and then lets whatever's going on out there shape what the Bible really says? Or you conveniently ignore the parts that are not comfortable today? You know, I just had a brother come up to me this morning, and he told me about a ministry he's involved in, and a nation that we're involved in, and the man was just slaughtered for the gospel. Uh, uh, That happened this past week. I mean, you know, there are people all over the world giving up their lives and paying the ultimate price to be faithful and true to the truth in this book. And for us in America to cave in and be shallow or to or to or fear what people think instead of living under the authority, that puts us in a really embarrassing situation when you stand before the Lord someday, when people are giving their blood, sweat, and tears right now for the gospel. You all hear what I'm saying? This is true. This is true. What does God say? That's true. What did God say about that? Then that's true. Uh, It's as simple as that. Look at what the Bible says. I'm going to hit this quickly. All Scripture is inspired, or King James says, God breathed. Inspired by God. Useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong. If you want to know what's true and right, read the Bible. If you want to know what's wrong and evil, read the Bible. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. How many of you know God's voice always agrees with Scripture? I just want to say that loud and clear. God's voice will always agree with Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never lead us to violate the Word of God. Now, let me just tell you this. We make excuses all the time, and we blame the Holy Spirit. He's got a bad reputation in many camps because of believers. I remember my dad, when he was a high school teacher, he was discipling a young lady, and she was interested in Mr. Studmuffin, except Mr. Studmuffin was a scoundrel. And he told her, you shouldn't be interested or dating somebody like this. This man doesn't know God, and he's not anywhere near God, and he has no desire to follow God. You're a lover of Jesus Christ. What are you doing even thinking about pursuing this? But she was, you know, she was one of those that wasn't grounded in here. So here's what she did. She's laying in bed, listening to the radio, and she says, Lord, if you play such and such song next, I will know that this guy is right for me. How many know the devil is an awesome DJ? Whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> you know. So, um, so guess what song came up next? Lord, it's you. No, it's not the Lord. The Lord already told you who you should be hooking up with, and it ain't that guy. So it's not the Holy Spirit. It's the devil that knows how to play the tunes. Whoop, whoop, right at the right time. All right? Or I've had people say, Pastor, you know, the Lord just told us we're supposed to leave the church. I said he did. 
It's funny, he didn't tell me, and I'm in charge of the church here. I'm the senior pastor. <laughs> and then I usually go to the second point. Are you sure you're not offended? Oh, you know, how many of you know people that leave church? They're never offended. Never, ever, ever. Never the reason. Liar, liar, pants on fire. I say, but you know, you can't just do that. You gotta, the Lord wants us to deal with issues and like forgive, and we're not supposed to take offenses. But the Holy Spirit just cleans the slate. We can just leave the mess over here and go out because the Lord is leading me. Can I, let me, I'm just gonna help you all. No, he's not. You're being deceived. Every time you violate the word to follow another voice, it is not the voice of God. Because God's word doesn't contradict, God's voice does not contradict his word. Second point here, uh, the Bible contains everything we need for the knowledge of salvation and godly living. Can you say amen to that? Look at 2 Timothy 3.15. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. We read verse 16, jumped down to verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. What is the Bible primarily uh, written for? To lead us to a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. Amen? Personal relationship with Christ. It points us the path of salvation, and hear me, it teaches you how to live a godly life. Not just teaches you, but empowers you in how to live a godly life. The, the Bible is complete for both of those things. Amen? We don't have to look anywhere else. Now people say, well, I'm a seeker. You know, I'm just checking everything out. Well, stop your seeking. There's one source of truth for salvation. It's the Bible. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus Christ, His Son. So that's, that's the second point. Third point, very quickly. Anyone who wants to hear God's voice on a regular basis must become intimately acquainted with the written Word of God. Can I just tell you, if you're like a computer and, and you're trying to pull up something and you haven't downloaded the program, how many of you know you're going to be really frustrated? Somebody smart, like an IT person, all right, will come up to you and say, well, pastor, the reason that program doesn't work is because you haven't downloaded it on your computer. No, you got to download it? Are you kidding me? I didn't know you had to download it. I just thought you hit buttons and you could operate that computer. No, you have to have the software. Listen to me. How many times does the Holy Spirit want to speak to us? And many times he wants to speak to us by pulling out the word that we've stored in our heart. But if you don't have a regular practice of eating the word and submitting to the word and, and a systematic plan to know the word, then what does the Holy Spirit have to work with? Let me help you. Nothing. Nothing. How many of you have started off your day, you're, you're, you're maybe reading through the Bible this year, you're focusing on a certain chapter or certain book or certain verse and or certain devotional pattern that you have, and you read and you commit yourself to the Lord at the start of the day, you read the Bible, and then something happens that day, and the Lord brings to remembrance what you just read that morning. That's because the Word and the Spirit go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit wants to say, hey, 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 remember what you just read? Hey, remember what Pastor talked about Sunday? I remember the life group. Remember what happened at CR? Whatever it is, he, he uses the word to pull it back into our remembrance. But if we don't store it away in the first place, he's got nothing to work with. So let's help the Holy Spirit out, amen? So I just want to make it clear. This is our authority. This is what we love. This is what we embrace. This is what we read. This is what we eat. This is what we hunger after. This is the truest voice of God that we will ever have. Everybody on the same page. All right. But let me tell you what happens if you leave out the Holy Ghost. You get really jacked up. And I'm going to build a case. All right. Point number one. The Holy Spirit 
is the author of the scriptures. Wait, I got to say that again. You guys, were, you guys were great on the word of God, but you're really weak on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wrote the book. Amen. Now, when I was in college, there were certain classes that like, were over my head. I'm like reading the book. I'm like, what did that mean? And then I realized most of the college professors wrote their own book. I'm going, wait a minute. Are you that guy? Oh, yeah, same name. Wouldn't it be stupid to wrestle in class going, oh, what does that mean? Oh, what does that mean? What does that mean? The author is teaching you live and in person. But you're ignoring that fact. And you're trying to go, oh, what does that mean? I don't understand what that means. And you're frustrated and you're failing on life because you're ignoring the author. See, some people, they raise the Bible up so high and they're afraid of the Holy Spirit. Why are you afraid of the, of the person, the third member of the Trinity, who wrote the book? Amen. I'm just afraid, you know, you start hearing voices, you can get really off track. Not if you listen to the author of the book. His voice, listen, his voice will never contradict with his book. Ever, 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 ever. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. What is another name for the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of... So what is the Holy Spirit doing when He comes and speaks to you? He's trying to tell you the truth about something. He's trying to get your life back on track. He's trying to tell you how the situation really is so you can see it with clarity. I mean, this is good news. He's going to guide you into truth. In fact, if you look at verse 14, very next verse, it says, He, the Holy Spirit, Jesus talking here, will bring me glory. Now, people, again, they get all nervous at churches like ours. That's one of those Holy Spirit churches. What does the Bible say the Holy Spirit's job is? To glorify Jesus. Wow, you go to one of those churches that focuses on the Holy Spirit. You should be focusing on Jesus. Did you take algebra, dude? (laughs) If you focus on the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's job is to reveal Jesus, how many of you know you cannot focus too much on the Holy Spirit unless you want too much of Jesus? I got to say that again because it was just so good. If the Holy Spirit exists to open your eyes and your heart and your understanding to see the beauty of Jesus, to fall in love with him, to want to serve him, to know him, to follow him, if that's his job, how can you have too much of him? So when we say, when we say, Holy Spirit, we love you, some of you get nervous. Well, shouldn't we be saying that? Well, I don't know that we should be saying that at all. That love talk makes me nervous, period. It sounds like you're being emotional. Is this an emotional church? Ah, I would not want to be married to you, dude. What is the matter with you? Is this an emotional marriage? Yes. I actually like my wife. When we come to church to worship the Lord, are you guys getting emotional? Well, I hope so, unless your love is fake. Well, I love the Lord. No, you love your doctrine. Do you love Jesus? 
the person who's alive. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? When we say, Holy Spirit, we love you. <gasps> you shouldn't say that about the Holy Spirit. You should say that about God. Because the Holy Spirit, we like forgot him. Put him in the closet. We're embarrassed about him. The Holy Spirit is here to point you to Jesus, to lead you into truth, to guide you into the heart of the Father. We should be all experts on knowing who this Holy Spirit is. Experts, experts, experts. The Holy Spirit is a person. And as I shared earlier, people who are normal people like to talk to other people. To have a Holy Spirit that stopped talking when the canon of the Bible was finished is a Holy Spirit that is a person without a voice. Why in the world would God stop talking to his people when the Holy Spirit actually said this, Jesus said this, hey, when I'm gone, I'm going to send you some help. And he's going to remind you of the things I said. He's going to help you understand. Lord knows we are the remedial class. We need a lot of help. <laughs> Jesus, help me. All right? That's it. Everybody in the kingdom is in the remedial class because it's the class of humility. It's not the fun, ones that have all the badges on and get, no, no, no. It's the ones who are humble enough to say, I can't know the Lord apart from the Lord. I can't love the Lord apart from the Lord. I'm dependent on everything. It's all about Jesus. It's all about the power of the Spirit. It's all about Him revealing the Father, the Father's love for me. In fact, the Bible says this in Psalm 119. The psalmist prayed, open my eyes that I may see the wonderful things from your law. How many of you, when you pray, when you study the Bible, uh, some of you just go through a system and it's very much, very much a pattern. And, you know, I've been there before. You check off your boxes. Some of you love that. You underline, you write in your journal a little bit. Uh, Nothing's a matter with any of that. But listen to me. How many of you, your goal is to have an, an encounter with Jesus through the person of the Holy Spirit that awakens passion for Jesus in your heart so that when you leave to go to work, you're ready? As opposed to just, uh, okay, what, how many verses? I got to read up to verse 8. Okay, you got that done. Where's the coffee? Let's go. You know, how about this? Open my eyes, Holy Spirit, and reveal the truth about Jesus to my heart so I can understand it. That, that, that's a dependent, Holy Spirit-dependent posture uh, on the Holy Spirit to open up the, the truths of the Scripture, all right? Second point, I said that, that He's the author. The Holy Spirit is also this wonderful word called the Advocate. Look at John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the Advocate, that's such a strong word, the Advocate. Notice, as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit. Let's pause right there. Have any of you ever been to a foreign country? How many of you want to know when you're in a foreign country, especially a hostile foreign country, the most important address to know is the U.S. Embassy? Because if anything hits the fan, you're going to the embassy. And who do you want to meet? The ambassador. And why do you want to meet with the ambassador? Because the ambassador represents the full weight and authority of the United States of America. Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving, but I want you to know my representative, the one who represents me fully. Now, this is what's cool about the word. Jesus said this, if you want to know what the Father's like, look at me. But listen to what the Holy Spirit says. If you want to know what the Son's like, 
Look at me. I'm going to reveal to you Jesus because I'm his agent. I'm his representative on planet earth. If you want to know Jesus, come see me. If you want to love Jesus, come see me. If you want to have an advocate on your side, come see me. It's the Holy Spirit. How is it that we have missed this in our churches and in our personal lives? I mean, if there's one person in all of planet Earth that you would want to have an intimate relationship with, I'm telling you who it is. It's the Holy Spirit. Because he is the official representative of Jesus and the kingdom right here, right now. He's he's very important. In fact, he can be grieved when we treat him like he's not. This word advocate is the word paraclete in the Greek. Para means to come alongside, and kaleo is the verb. It means to to make a call. Here's the picture. The Holy Spirit is likened to a legal advocate who makes the right judgment call because he is close to the situation. This is so good. Have you ever seen a courtroom scene, and you got the the plaintiff, and he's got his attorney, and and when something's going on, what what are they doing all throughout the, the trial they're leaning over. And what's the, what's the attorney doing? He's speaking into the situation because he's very familiar with the case and because he is a legal expert and because he is giving you or she's giving you exactly the information that you need, listen, to get the right advice so that you're successful. We have an advocate. He's for us. He's not against us. He's like waiting. It, the Holy Spirit is like the first Christian attorney that you ever could find, all right? I had, we had an attorney this morning. I honored him. I said, Christian attorney is not an oxymoron. They actually exist, all right? But the Holy Spirit is like a Christian attorney. He represents you before the accuser, Satan, right? He's our advocate. But he also is there to counsel you on the nuances of your life. Because he loves you, and because you love him, and because you're submitted to him, and because he wants to lead you and guide you. He wants to be an advocate for you. Uh, The other words that are used are counselor. Isn't it great to have a personal counselor in us, with us? Another word is comforter, encourager. Does anybody need these types of roles in your life? I mean, has anybody been overwhelmed this week with your life, and you're like, Lord, what do I do? I I just knock my lens out on these glasses. You can tell I got some good. These, I think we got these at Kmart or at Walmart or somewhere like that. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Anyway, um, <laughs> how many of you know we have a personal helper, a personal counselor? Man, Lord, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Help me, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. I, I'm confused right now. Guess what he does? He speaks. Or you open up the word and, you, and all of a sudden, boom, right there, wow, an answer. And you, knew, you realize it's the Lord. We, this is, we couldn't afford this type of a representation. We got someone that's going to be our advocate in a courtroom. We got someone that's our helper, like our personal assistant. We got someone who's our encourager. Hey, good job. Keep it up. Good job. How many of you like to have like a personal encourager just in your life? Hey, pay him, pay him a bunch of money just to have him follow around and say, nice job, way to go. I wouldn't have thought of that. Hey, yeah, hey, I could use that in my life. A counselor? Hey, let's sit down and talk about that. So how are you feeling today? Talk to me about what's going on. What's on your heart? We, I couldn't afford all these people in my life at the same time, and yet the Holy Spirit is all of these roles and more. This is amazing. 
This is amazing. Lastly, and I hope this blows your mind like it blew my mind this week. So the Holy Spirit's the author, so we never have to worry that his voice is going to contradict the Bible. So let me just say, some churches put so much fear. They preach deception, into the age, everybody's going to be deceived, only the elect, oh, oh my, and everybody's running around, oh my gosh, you know. Anything that, that, that seems like it's supernatural, you freak out about it, because listen, your fear of being deceived by Satan is greater than your, and the power of the Holy Spirit to lead you to Jesus. Talk about warped, talk about warped. Why aren't we setting our eyes on the Holy? That's his first name. Holy <laughs> Spirit, the Spirit of truth, and making, knowing him, because I know if I'm pursuing the Holy Spirit, he's going to never contradict the Scriptures. He will exalt the Scriptures. So he is our author. He is the advocate. And listen, he is the advantage. Look at what the Bible says. This is amazing. John 16, right before verse 7, Jesus just got done telling the boys the truth for the thousandth time. And how many of you know the disciples, before the Holy Spirit came to live in them and baptize them in the Holy Spirit, they were clueless about most of what was going on. How many times did he tell them, I'm going to be crucified, betrayed, crucified, nailed to that cross, buried three days later, I'm out of the tomb, and whew, like many times. In this particular time, Jesus says, hey, all that stuff's going to happen. And the Bible says they were overcome with grief. Now, I've done this before. Have anybody ever asked you, hey, if you could live at any time in history, any time, revolutionary time, Civil War time, you know, ancient time, whatever, with the Egyptians and the pyramids. Anyway, you get the point. If you could live at any time in history, what time would you like to be alive? You know what most Christians say? I would love to be on planet Earth when Jesus was on planet Earth. I mean, that's not a bad call. Most of the time, though, we're thinking about the, the highlight reel. Hey, Jesus, do that thing with the fish and loaves again. That was amazing. That was awesome. And all the times when they, like, crowd gathered around to kill Jesus, but he just made his way through the crowd, all those times when your blood pressure would be really high and you'd be like, whoa. Um, you know, there's a lot of those times, too. But how many of you know, we, boy, to be around, to watch him do the stuff, we forget that he made them terribly uncomfortable, blew their minds constantly, and constantly pushed them over their limits, uh, and then sent them out to do this stuff. You know, I mean, kind of an exciting ride. But listen to what happens. This is crazy. Jesus is going to tell them something that I still am trying to get my full understanding and heart around. Listen to what he says. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Now, how many of you know when the embodiment of truth says, hey, what I'm telling you is the whole truth, dude. You got to hear this. This is the truth. When truth itself, himself, says this is the truth, listen. He's making an emphasis here that is not really necessary, but, but he's hitting it hard because he wants us to get it. It is to your advantage that I go away. Please hear this. Jesus in the flesh, doing the miracles, revealing the Father, the Messiah, he says, it's to your advantage. I'm out of here. And they're going, are you crazy? It's kind of like saying, my wife leaves for a week. Are you crazy? How are we going to survive? We need you to multiply the fish and the loaves like you always do. I mean, come on, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus is saying, I'm leaving you. 
Can you imagine how much they loved him, how much they were dependent upon him, how their, their whole lives were changed by him, their whole lives were directed by him. And in fact, remember when he ascended, remember what they did? It took an angel. It took an angel to say, hey, guys, remember he told you he was out of here? Now, let, let's be about the Father's business, right? It took an angel because they, they would have been still looking like that till today probably. They would have died, right? <sighs> Fall over, all right? Think about this with me. It is to your advantage that Jesus is not here. Can you imagine you're trying to set up an appointment with Jesus? Jesus, I need a 30-minute counseling session. He's like, great. Um, I've got about 350,000 people lined up for the next how many years? Uh, I'll try to squeeze you in. I am eternal, so I'll get to you sometime. But um, uh, Jesus in his flesh, in his humanity, uh, was limited in terms he can't be everywhere at once. But guess what he says? It is to your advantage because I'm no longer going to just be with you. I'm going to be in you. Now, we really, need to, we really need to drill into this. What does it mean? Two different times in Scripture, by the way, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus. So if you like that term better, then latch on to that one. But the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, wants to live inside of you. And he wants to guide you and do all those things that he said he would do. And the Bible says it's to your advantage. Now look at what it says next. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Oh, this is so good. And the helper says, you know what? Just like Jesus, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never abandon you. I will be with you. In fact, I'm as close as your breath away. How many of you think we need to get to know this representative, this advocate, this author, our distinct advantage? We need to get to know him better. I mean, I'm talking about being very intentional about submitting to the Holy Spirit. You know, I don't want anybody in this room, when we start using Holy Spirit language, nobody in this room should start going, oh my gosh, I think it's one of those kind of churches. Last time I checked, the Holy Spirit is fully God. Perhaps we could start treating him like it. Then maybe the church would start moving in the power and the authority and the holiness and the presence that we are called to move into. And some of you too, I'm just encouraging you, I'm not being critical. But worship is a time when I encourage you to do a couple things. We're easily distracted, so here's what you, I'm going to help you out. Shut your eyes. I'm all the way in the back, all these noisy people around me. Come to the front. You mean like a rock concert? No. Like a worship Jesus service where you can be so close that you're not going to be distracted. And if your glasses fell apart like mine, you can see that word. Voice is really good from right here. All right? But here's what you do. You come before the Lord and... You're like, well, what will my friends from the old church think of me because I'm raising my hands like one of those people? <laughs> Let me help you out. Who cares? <laughs> so so who's, our, who's our focus during worship? 
We're loving Jesus. We're, we're loving. We, we sang about the Holy Spirit. You know, when I sing songs about the Holy Spirit, I pour out my affection on the Holy Spirit. I tell him I love him. I tell him I want to know him. I tell him I need to hear his voice better. I want to be more sensitive because God's moving all around us. God is moving everywhere. How many times are we just, well, God doesn't work. God's trying to work that way. God's trying to touch people. God's trying to set people free. But I'm so on my own agenda that I don't call the advocate until I'm in trouble. And then I'm trying to have him get me out of jail. Come on, he's more than a legal advocate. He's a helper. He's a friend. He's someone that we love. He's someone that talks to us and encourages us and comforts us. And so what should we be doing during worship? Man, getting lost in the presence of Jesus. Poor, you need to be, it's not just singing songs. Boy, that's, that was such great theology. Well, theology is, is great. But theology without the Holy Spirit is dry and dead. And your heart's disengaged. You're, well, I'm singing these great theology songs here, but you're dead. You're dead. Who cares? You're dead. Your religion is producing death in you instead of life in you. What is God looking for? You. What is the Holy Spirit after? You. What's He after? Your heart. What's he after? Your head. He's after everything. And so what is our wor- why do we value worship here? Because that's, I believe, the part Jesus loves the most. When I'm preaching the Bible, he's not learning. He's just like, oh man, that was such a, that was such a good... He's the author of it all. You know what I think he loves? We see his families here. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for what you're doing, God. I, we're still dealing with this, and we still got this challenge, but Lord, we just give it to you. Holy Spirit, you're the helper. Will you please help us this week? Or Lord, I just praise you for the breakthrough that we had. Or God, thank you for saving this friend. And Lord, I'm praying for my boss and asking you to reveal him. Jesus, we need you. Je- In other words, there should be like 500 personal, private encounters with Jesus going on while we're all together. And you know what? He's big enough to handle it because we have an advantage because the Holy Spirit has a personal, he's a, he has, he's a retainer for you. He's a personal retainer on your life. You have access to him 24-7, 365. The price was incredibly expensive. It was the blood of Jesus to purchase your personal advocate. That's why Jesus said, I got to go. What happened? He's ascended as soon as he's seated in all authority and power at the right hand of the Father. Holy Spirit's released. This is so good. So again, if you you knew that that's the one that you have relationship with, access to, and he's waiting, and he's pricey, I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you have ever got on an airplane and the attendant gets up to give you the instructions? I mean, I could do it. If any of you are attendants, I'm kidding, I really couldn't, but I could probably do it if I tried. I could do the arm motions. How many of you, after you've flown more than like a half dozen times, you're checked out? Let me give you another scenario. You're going skydiving for the first time. 
Where's the, where's the thing? What, hap- what happens if I pull the thing and the other thing doesn't do what it's supposed to do? And do I hold my breath? Do I hold you? When, now, when do I pull it again? Where is it again? Oh, there it is. Okay, that thing, right? That's what you're talking. You pull that. Yeah, that's it. Okay, how many of you know you're really paying attention? And here's why. Your life depends on it. I'm trying to tell you, your Christian life depends on listening to the flight attendant. His name is the Holy Spirit. He wants to take us on a great flight. We got to tune in. We got to listen. This is the most important mission we could be on. And the end result of partnering with the Holy Spirit is you see incredible fruitfulness to the glory of God. Jesus said, this is what brings me glory, that you produce much fruit, fruit that remains. How many of you want to be fruitful with your life? You'll never be fruitful apart from the Holy Spirit. Hop to your feet. I got to pray. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's just open our hearts. Let's just, what, can you just throw out a red carpet welcome mat to the Holy Spirit right now? Just tell him, Lord, I need you. Holy Spirit, I want you to help me. I want you to guide me. I need comfort. I need direction. I just, I, for, forgive me for where I've ignored you. Forgive me for the wrong ideas I've had about you. Holy Spirit, come into my life. Lead me. Speak to me. I want to obey you. I want to know you. Open up God's word to me. This is what I'm talking about, a sense of passionate urgency that surrounds your approach to the Holy Spirit. He loves you so much. And He wants to reveal Jesus to you in greater and greater dimensions. So Lord, do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. We pray this all in Your mighty name, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen, Amen.